What? College matters. What? College, college matters. matters. Really? For sure. College matters. Alma, Alma matters. matters. I just was able to kind of like look at information, read over it, process it right there. But this was a lot of information being thrown at once. And mm -hmm. I didn't know how to process that much information that fast. So we took our first exam. And I did my usual, just skimming over my notes before the exam, and I got a B plus, which was mm -hmm. the first B I have ever gotten. I've always just gotten A's. And mm -hmm. I went into my professor, Dr. Ferguson's office, and I almost cried. And I said to him, I guess I can't be a scientist because I got a B plus, which is, it's funny now looking at. And then he said to me, he was like, well, do you know how to study? And I was like, not really. That is Gabrielle Cruz, a Goldwater scholar who's pursuing a bachelor's degree in molecular genetics at SUNY Fredonia. Hello, I'm your host, Venkat Raman. Gabrielle loved school. She loved science. But her school years were tough because she used to be homeless off and on. Despite that, she graduated high school with honors. After graduating from high school, she knew she wanted to get a bachelor's degree, but she couldn't afford it then. She worked 16-hour days and four years later decided to study nursing at Mercyhurst University in Pennsylvania. Gabrielle joins us on our podcast to share her undergraduate college journey, starting with Mercyhurst, transferring to SUNY Fredonia, undergraduate research and regeneration in zebrafish, winning the Goldwater Scholarship, majoring in molecular genetics, and her advice for high schoolers. Now, before we jump into the podcast, here are the high fives five highlights from the podcast. Twenty twenty one, my tuition got raised. <laughs> so mm. then I had to transfer to the uh, State University of New York at Fredonia. And that was probably the best thing that could happen. Um, it's a very small school, um, small mm -hmm. biology and chemistry department. Um, but because of that, like there's so many opportunities to do hands on research. Mm -hmm. um, and that's really when I fell in love with doing research and being in a lab. And um, so then I transferred um, and then I ended up getting a lot of scholarships. <laughs> and so that took off like even more of the like financial burden. Mm -hmm. um, I got a scholarship for being in the honors program. I got a scholarship for transferring. I got a scholarship for maintaining um, a specific GPA. And then as I mm -hmm. kept going, um, there was just so many more opportunities for scholarships. Humans, when those cells are damaged, they do not regenerate, which is why a lot of people experience things like hearing loss. Yeah. Um, however, in zebrafish, they've been able to regenerate. Mm. Um, so we've been looking at um, the pathway involved in that by mutating different genes um, and watching the development of those cells. Then March 31st, I get the email saying that I was I, uh, approved of it and that I was awarded uh, being a 2023 Goldwater Scholar. Awesome. And um, yeah, so I was very excited about that. And um, it's been an awesome opportunity. It's if somebody doesn't think that they're ready at 18 or 19 years old, that's okay. You know, there's, there's time. There's, I always tell myself when I find myself rushing through my life of where's the fire? Like there's no need to run through life. These were the high fives brought to you by College Matters. Alma Matters. matters. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. For my newsletter, visit almamatters.substack.com. Now, 
I'm sure you want to hear the entire podcast with Gabrielle. So without further ado, here is Gabrielle Cruz. If you're ready, we can jump right in. Sounds good. Awesome. So maybe the best place to start is uh, give us an overall sort of view or impression of your undergraduate experience so far. Um, it's been extremely non non-traditional. Mm-hmm. Um, I graduated high school in 2016, mm-hmm. and I always knew I wanted to go to school um, and get a, at the very least, a bachelor's. Mm-hmm. Did not know what that was going to look like for me. Did not know how I was going to financially make that work. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I worked like so many like random jobs trying to figure out what I liked. And I started in 2020. Yeah, January of 2020. Not the greatest time to start. <laughs> but um, I started out in nursing. Yep, yep. Did not like uh-huh. my nursing classes, but I really loved my biology and chemistry classes. Mm-hmm. So I just kept taking those classes, and um, then I ended up changing my major to biology. Not mm-hmm. knowing what I was going to do with that, I had um, an academic advisor, uh, Lauren Giles, and she told me, well, you could get your PhD, and I just mm-hmm. thought that that was so, like, why would you even suggest such a thing? Like, how could I possibly do something like that? Mm-hmm. Um, so I just like, you know, I was like, I'm going to try. I really like this. It's something I'm very passionate about. And then, um, 2021, my tuition got raised. (laughs) Mm. So then I had to transfer to the, uh, state university of New York at Fredonia. And that was probably the best thing that could happen. Um, it's a very small school, um, small Mm -hmm. biology and chemistry department, um, But because of that, like, there's so many opportunities to do hands-on research. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's really when I fell in love with doing research and being in a lab and, you know, problem solving, questioning um, what problems are arising and how to solve them and investigate um, different chemical and biological systems. Mm -hmm. Awesome. And so that's how I got to where I am so far. So tell us a little bit about uh, high school. I mean, um, I, I know that there was a gap after the, after you graduated from high school, but what was your high school like in terms of uh, your own interests, um, the courses you took? How was that experience? Um, high, I always loved school. I never missed a day as long as I could control that. Um, mm-hmm. I, in high school, I, had a, I was homeless on and off throughout Mm -hmm. um high school which made it like particularly difficult to be like oh well I have homework but like what home is the the work going to get done at um so often I would stay after school with uh teachers and um they were always very supportive of me and I worked really hard um Mm -hmm. so when I, I graduated with honors Mm-hmm. which was such an accomplishment because I every day I didn't know like how I was going to get through the next day but I a lot of my journey has just been one step at a time and every time just try as hard as you possibly can yeah. and um, I took as many AP classes as possible mm-hmm. um, which I went to a, a small high school as well so there wasn't that many options I think I ended up taking um, AP Psychology, um, AP American History, and AP Statistics. And that was mm-hmm. all that I could, <laughs> that was all that was really offered. So it was all that I could take. Um, and I didn't take the AP exams because I couldn't afford it. But I still mm-hmm. th- thought at least at the very least, I would have a little bit of extra knowledge going into the world after I graduated, not knowing exactly what that was going to look like. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. So, so, so did you, um, so did you just naturally kind of like science? Is that kind of how it was? Oh yeah. I was so interested in science. 
even as like, I remember telling my mother when I was a little girl that I was going to be an inventor and that mm-hmm. I was going to invent how to make money grow on trees. Cause my mom was always telling me money couldn't <laughs> grow on trees. Um, <laughs> I haven't figured that one out yet, unfortunately. Still working on it. But, That's done. That's done. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I was always not great at math. And so I remember in like fifth grade, I told one of my teachers that I wanted to be a scientist. Mm-hmm. And I remember he said, well, you have to be good at math to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it was said out of malice. Yeah. Um, but... I think it was because I, he knew that I struggled in mathematics. Um, and so I always avoided it. I was like, well, I can't do that. Like, as interesting as it is, I, I could never do that because I can't. I struggle with doing math. I don't know how to, like, really apply math. Um, but if there's anything that I've learned throughout my, like, educational journey, it's that nothing is impossible to understand. It's just going to take a lot more work. So I know that, you know, if I have math courses in a semester, I'm budgeting extra time for those classes and making sure that I'm available during office hours. And if I have, I've gone to some professors office hours every single time that they've had them, you know, I'm sure I can be annoying at some points, but I, (laughs) I think it's the most important part that you can do for yourself in your education is really advocate for yourself. And even if you don't understand something a little bit, um, just to get that help, I think sometimes people feel embarrassed too. But I think um, part of my success has been being able to identify my strengths and weaknesses and being like, okay, well, I'm weak in this, but I know that if I work hard, I can turn it into a strength. So uh, let me ask you one more thing, and then we kind of jump to college. Um, so, you know, you, you, you obviously went through um, a lot of personal challenges through high school, uh, trying to figure out how to navigate just outside of school, uh, personal and, you know, living conditions and issues. Um, what kept you going? I mean, what, what, was, what was that force or spirit that you felt um, that you not only did well in high school and then obviously you took a break um, and after that gap, you went back to college. So what do you think kept you going? I just knew, I didn't always know exactly what I wanted to be when I grew up, but I knew the kind of woman that I wanted to be. Mm -hmm. And I just kept making decisions that fit like that woman, my ideal self. I made the decisions that I thought that she would make and Mm -hmm. I became the person I thought that she was until I became her. And, you know, I've gotten asked that question a lot of like, well, how did you, you know, keep going? Like what was the motivation? But I think deep down I knew that I was capable. Yeah. And, you know, I, if you, if I, you can survive homelessness, like having to take a difficult exam is nothing in retrospect. Because right. at least that's something that you can control. It's like, okay, well, I can control how much I study and how much effort I put into this. And I have some say in the outcome. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. So, yeah, when I was like 18, I was like, okay, well, the ball's in my court now. And my life is my own. And whatever happens is based on the decisions that I make. And I just decided to work really hard. And um, for the, that gap year... Well, gap couple years, actually. I <clears throat> I worked so hard. I mean, sometimes I was working three jobs, just trying to save up money and get myself into a place where I was at least somewhat financially stable and stable in my mind to be able to take on the challenge that was college. Because I always knew that I only had one shot to do it, so I needed to make sure that I was prepared for that. So I really took a lot of time making sure that I was in the right headspace and the right financial space to be able to take that on, which is why I, I, some people, you know, I talk to high schoolers sometimes and they're like, well, you know, I don't know what I want to do. And I you know, feel like I just need to hurry up and get into college. But I think some people aren't ready to take on that responsibility at 18. I was not in a place at 18 or 19 to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. And if I would have started that, even if I had the financial means, I don't think that I was 
ready to take on that challenge. And I think there shouldn't be any shame in that. Um, no, no. Yeah, no, if fine. you know yourself and you have to take, you know, a step back and be like, okay, let me get myself right so that when I'm in college, like, I can be as successful as possible. So you transitioned to college. Now, tell me where you went first before you came to Macedonia, but how did you, did you work out financial aid and scholarship? How did, how did you take care of that aspect um, first? And then we can sort of dive into your experience. Um, I started out at Mercyhurst uh, University. And at the time, there were two campuses. And mm-hmm. one was, the main campus was like a bachelor's degree. Um, that's where you would go for your bachelor's. Um, but they had a Northeast campus that was an associate's um, and it was a lot more affordable. And mm-hmm. um, starting out, I didn't have any scholarships, but I had, you know, saved up some money and I was set up in a way that I could be able to afford it. And mm-hmm. um, so I did that. And then I thought, okay, well, I'll get my associates and then that'll be at least be cheaper than when I, so I can transfer to do the last two years to get my bachelor's. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, no one could predict COVID happening. Yeah. So when COVID happened, we all got sent home. And then they were like, okay, well, we're going to end up shutting this campus down. Um, so you're just going to have to go to the main campus. And mm-hmm. the main campus was more expensive. So then my tuition went up and I took out I think everyone that I know has one of those Sally Mae loans that has just not the greatest interest rate on it, but yeah. you're in a pinch. So um, I took out one of those um, just to buy myself at least a semester. And uh, my academic advisor at the time, um, a lot of told me to go to SUNY Fredonia and said that there's a lot of research opportunities and that that would really give me a leg up when applying to grad school. So... Hmm. I applied, I toured um, SUNY Fredonia, and I saw this brand new science center that had all these labs that had um, all this equipment, um, a scanning electron microscope, uh, confocal microscope, um, and it really got me excited. And Mm -hmm. so I was like, well, I can't afford where I'm at, so I might as well transfer. And the building was gorgeous. The I was able to one-on-one meet with a lot of the um, professors, which mm-hmm. I really liked because I knew I wasn't just going to be a number. Um, yeah. The class size, I think the largest class I've ever been in had like maybe 50 people. Yeah. And so I, I appreciated the small class sizes. And um, so then I transferred um, – and then I ended up getting a lot of scholarships. <laughs> and so that took off like even more of the like financial burden. Mm-hmm. Um, I got a scholarship for being in the honors program. I got a scholarship for transferring. I got a scholarship for maintaining um, a specific GPA. And then as I mm-hmm. kept going, um, there was just so many more opportunities for scholarships. So tell us a little bit about how that experience was um, transferring from an associate's program to a four-year program. It wasn't that much different. I knew that I, at the very least, wanted a bachelor's degree. Um, Mm -hmm. I was just grateful that I was going to be able to financially afford it. Um, Mm -hmm. So when I transferred there, it was a very different type of culture. Mercyhurst is a private school, um, and it was kind of connected to a preparatory school that people went to high school. So everyone kind of already knew each other, and I always felt like a little bit of an outsider, mm-hmm. which was, like, fine. You know, you're not really there to meet people, but I am a fairly sociable person. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that is a skill that's also helped me, is, like, going up to people, meeting them, being like, hi, this is who I am. These are my dreams. And people who see that in you and see potential in you will just naturally want to, like, support you and to help give you resources. Uh And I 
shamelessly self network all the time. <laughs> um, and so going there, you know, I didn't know anyone. I didn't know anything. I just knew I was the next step. I had to keep going. And, um, but everyone there is so supportive. Um, the science program is so small that everyone kind of knows each other. Mm-hmm. Um, but everyone's pretty tight knit. I knew all of my classmates, you know, first and last names. I knew their major. I knew what things that they were involved in. And we all were on a first name basis with our professors, which is a mm-hmm. big deal. I didn't realize how much of a big deal it was. Yeah. Um, until I met other people from other universities. They're like, oh, I don't, my professor definitely doesn't even know my first name. So, how did you wander into research or get into research? Um, <clears throat> I had, when I was at Mercyhurst, I did a work study in which I was just culturing bacteria. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really liked that. Um, and not, and it was just a small thing to be able to tell if like, okay, this is what I want to do every day for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. And um, so then when I had transferred to uh, SUNY Fredonia, I'm my academic advisor and mentor, Dr. Ferguson uh, told me, okay, well, you're going to need to do like a couple of research experiences. It'll make you look um, good for grad school. And it also helps solidify that if this is the path for you. Mm-hmm. So the year that I transferred, I took um, organic chemistry, genetics, um, and some gen eds. And then that was in the fall. So at the end of the fall semester, you could apply to labs, mm-hmm. which was like a lot like applying for a job. You send an email hey, I'm interested in this, filled out a form, and then you'd meet with the um, PIs. Yeah. And I met with a couple of them, and I went to a few research talks, and I ended up joining uh, Dr. Niss's lab. Mm-hmm. And I was so excited at that. I really didn't think anyone was going to, like, pick me <laughs> to join. <laughs> um so I did that, and I was so excited. I remember we went on winter break, and I spent the whole winter break reading all the papers that, you know, he was an author on, and I asked them, like, hey, send me papers so I really understand, like, what's happening. And um, But then by the time uh, the spring semester started, I was knee-deep in research and taking every opportunity I got to, like, learn something in the lab. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and that sure was – that was super empowering, and I ended up applying to do a internship with him over the summer, and I got that, and so I spent the whole summer working um, on our project, and I loved it. I was in the lab every single day at random hours, and um, I think everyone who does research knows that science never stops. So sometimes you have to go in on the weekend. Sometimes you have to go in at like 11 p.m. Uh, but I couldn't imagine myself doing anything else. And I felt very supported in that. Yeah. And it was a great opportunity to like not have to like stop because I have to go to class. or I have to do this. Like my whole summer was focused on research. Um, and then I just continued doing research um, during the academic year as well. And then this um, past summer, I was at the Scripps Research Institute in San Diego. Um, mm-hmm. And I did an entire internship there. And that was the best experience I've probably ever had in my educational career. What kind of research did you do? What, what, were, you, what were you actually doing uh, in the lab? So um, in Dr. Niss's lab, we were looking at um, the development and regeneration of hair cells in the neuromast of zebrafish. The Mm -hmm. hair cells are uh, not like the hair on our head. They're just called hair cells, and they're functionally analogous to Mm -hmm. the cells in our ears that allow us to hear. Yeah. Um, however, in humans, when those cells are damaged, they do not regenerate, which is why a lot of people experience things like hearing loss. Yeah. Um, 
However, in zebrafish, they've been able to regenerate. Mm. Um, so we've been looking at um, the pathway involved in that by mutating different genes um, and watching the development of those cells. Um, we'll pick a gene that um, is associated with hair cell development and regeneration. And then we use CRISPR um, to disrupt that gene uh, by knocking in either GFP or RFP and mm -hmm. watching it, uh, the development of it on the confocal microscope. Mm -hmm. um, and then this past summer, I worked on helping develop a, a halo tag based autophagy sensor. Um, which is halo tag is a protein um, derived from bacteria uh, mm -hmm. that can you can create a genetic fusion. You add a um, special molecule that is fluorescent. It'll bind to it, so then you can mm -hmm. track where that protein is going in the cell. Um, and okay. so we were particularly working on getting that to work in um, neurons, so people mm -hmm. can sense like pathological proteins. Um, how they're being degraded. At this point in time, um, what have been some good outcomes or is it too early for any of that? Um, we've, I mean, I've gotten things to work. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, we've seen that uh, particular genes like LGR6 have been involved. Mm -hmm. um, we are working on getting um, images of that. The most horrendous part of working with model organisms is that they don't work on your time. You work on their time. <laughs> so yeah. um, right now we have heterozygous mutants, um, mm -hmm. but we want them to be homozygous. Um, but sometimes getting these fish to um, breed and lay eggs um, is quite the battle when they don't want to do that. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so in the meantime, I've been also looking at if there's um, expression of our spondin genes in zebrafish by doing um, in situ hybridizations. Mm -hmm. um, and I spent a lot of time doing that. And I think an important note of science is that not everything works the first time or sometimes even the 20th time it's a lot <laughs> yeah. of troubleshooting you have to be a very resilient person to be like okay well this isn't working but why might it not be working and um, I have a great PI who has always been very supportive of my autonomy and independence and mm -hmm. has um, really supported that um, so he allows me to kind of like think of some things and then come back and like bounce ideas off of him before we go to the next step. Um, and then I was in the Kelly lab at Scripps yeah. and we were able to get our halo tag sensor to work in neuroblastomas. Mm -hmm. Then we wanted to make sure that it could work when actually fused to a pathological protein such as tau. Mm -hmm. We got that to work in neuroblastomas as well. And then um, we worked on starting to differentiate iPSCs, which are stem cells, into neurons to make sure that we can make our model work in neurons. Because mm -hmm. the, um, the main field in that lab is looking at neurodegenerative diseases. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about the Goldwater Scholarship. And then I want to come back to what you have learned from all the research. I mean, how has it helped you personally? So first, the Goldwater Scholarship. Why, why did you apply or how did you hear about it? Well, I never actually heard about anything of it before. And <laughs> um, I got an email um, last fall mm -hmm. saying, hey, um, and it was from our campus representative saying, hey, like, can we meet? I'd like to talk to you about this. I think that you'd be a, a great fit for this. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, well, I don't know what any of this actually is, but like, I, I take every opportunity I possibly can. Sure. So um, I met and went with our campus rep 
And, you know, he explained what it was and how influential it was um, and how it would give me a leg up when applying to grad school and how, like, it would really help financially. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't think anything of it. I um, was like, okay, you know, I'll try not having any, like, high expectations. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I went through the whole process with him. Um, You have to do, like, a pre-screening, which is, like, basically the campus rep talking to you and then he um says like okay you can fill out this application mm-hmm. um and so then he I fill out the application he double checks that it gets sent in and then you have to write a personal essay mm-hmm. um which is basically saying like why do you want to like be a researcher like why is that important to you and um, I wrote about my mother. Uh, my mother passed away when I was six years old. Mm-hmm. Um, she had a genetic disease that affected her bile ducts in her liver, mm-hmm. um, which just caused a whole bunch of like downstream um, illnesses. Mm-hmm. And one thing that really set me on fire for science was my freshman year. I took an intro biology class that mentioned CRISPR. And my brain, like, flooded with so many ideas. And I was like, wow, like, if they would have, that would have been a thing, like, back in the 2000s, like, that that could have been something that would have, like, helped my own mother. Mm-hmm. And that was like, oh, like, this isn't just doing science because it's interesting and fun. Like, this is doing science because this has real life impacts on mm-hmm. humanity. Mm-hmm. And I feel so honored to be able to pursue a career in which I'm doing something that's bigger than myself. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I'm able to solve, you know, problems that are going to help people generations from now, long after I'm gone. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wrote about that. And then it was this very long wait period, which was actually only like three months. <laughs> but <laughs> when you're nervous about it, it feels like forever. So I try not to of think course. about it. Yeah. And, um, then March 31st, I get the email saying that I was I, uh, approved of it and that I was awarded uh, being a 2023 Goldwater Scholar. Awesome. And um, yeah, so I was very excited about that. And um, it's been an awesome opportunity. It's definitely like opened up be, being able to do things like this. Um, I've had um, a couple other like organizations open up about like, Hey, like maybe we could do, um, you could talk about your experiences. Um, and even on my own campus, like wanting me to do, um, some talks about, you know, overcoming adversity and, Mm -hmm. uh, being successful in college. Why do you think you got the scholarship? What do you think made a difference? You know, I, I think one in three applicants um, get the scholarship, roughly. So what do you think made the difference from, you know, in your story? Um, I'm not certain. Um, I don't know the other types of people that have um, applied for it, but I have just always been very authentic. And it goes back to that, like, shameless networking of, like, this is who I am. <laughs> this is what mm-hmm. I'm about. Mm-hmm. And I was just honest about like how um, doing research made me feel and why I love it and why I see myself having a future in it. And um, I think sometimes like people can tell when someone's being authentic or when they're just playing something up. And so um, I was just as authentic as I could be and went into it of like, if this is something that they see in me, then they see it in me. And if not, like, that's okay. Like somebody else, you know, probably deserved it more. Sure. Um, so I really, I, I wrote two essays. The first one, um, our campus rep emailed me back and he's like, this is, sounds like a great proposal, but this doesn't say anything about who you are. <laughs> yeah. So I got a little too carried away writing about the research. Um, so then I was like, okay, like, who am I and who am I in science? Yeah. And so then I went way back to being freshman version of me 
terrified that I was never going to succeed, but just having like a fire inside of me. And then Mm -hmm. I just wrote about her and how she got to being, you know, as far as she was there. And then, you know, I went into a little bit of like the financial aspects of like, hey, like this isn't wasted on me. Like I've worked so hard to like penny pinch to be able to stay in school and to keep going. Absolutely. Um, So I was thankful that they, you know, saw that and heard me and understood me. Because it's definitely been, like, extraordinarily beneficial to my life. Before we go any further, how, how do you think research has uh, impacted you uh, doing all this research? I, I don't mean, um, I mean, maybe the specifics to some extent, but just the aspect of being a researcher. How is that impacting you? I think it's helped me to... It's one thing to know things conceptually in class mm-hmm. of like, mm-hmm. this is how something works. It's a whole other ballpark to actually get those concepts to work in a laboratory. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, as scientists, we like to limit the variables, but there's always some hidden variable mm-hmm. and troubleshooting that needs to happen. And I think being trained that way has also helped me as a human being to like not freak out when something's going wrong of like okay I'm smart and I'm capable like what is going on now and how can I find a solution Mm -hmm. and I think that's something I really always appreciate about research is I love problem solving I think that's why it's a it's been a great dynamic for me is because if I don't have something to problem solve, then I think I sit with myself a little too long and I start thinking of problems that aren't there so I can at least have a problem to solve. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, definitely um, that. And then also, like, just being independent and not being afraid to fail at something because sometimes some experiments don't work. Or sometimes, yeah. you know, when you're learning, you mess something up. And I have, like, my PI has always been very supportive of, like, well, it's okay if you messed it up. Just go ahead and do it again, which I was so worried that he would be so mad. But I think that that's just science of, like, sometimes things don't work. And, oh, well, you do it again. I mean, it sucks having to use more, like, of your time and resources. Um, But um, I do like that it's forgiving in that nature of, like, okay, well, we can just do it again. Let's talk about your major. I mean, you obviously started out with the idea of nursing, you went into biology, and now you've refined it further. Um, And I think you are now in molecular biology, or is it molecular genetics? Um, Yeah, it's molecular genetics. Um, So how did you you kind of uh, make that journey from biology to molecular genetics? Oh, I absolutely did not want to take ecology. (laughs) (laughs) I, you know, one of my best friends, he is in the ecology realm and he loves it and I'm happy for him. But oh my goodness, it just, it bores me to tears. I've always been very interested of like what's happening on like a molecular and atomic level that's making even just, you know, you and me having a conversation here. There are like thousands of processes happening inside of our bodies that are allowing this to happen. And um, that was always insanely interesting to me. And um, then how disease worked, that how when things aren't working properly, disease occurs. And then the next step for me was like, okay, well, now that we know all these things, how can we fix it? So, um, you know, you've obviously had uh, a very challenging, exciting, and at this point, a pretty triumphant sort of undergraduate experience. Uh, and I hope that you continue on and go on to bigger and better things. Um, so what, what kind of advice would you give high schoolers today, of today, as they think about college and maybe uh, about research as well? They don't think too much about research, I find. But um, what, what, 
what kind of advice would you give them i think and maybe this is a slightly controversial opinion but i think not everyone is ready to go straight into college and i think mm-hmm. that that's okay there's absolutely no shame in taking a breather and being like okay am i ready for this mm-hmm. um because I think sometimes people, they rush into college and they have no idea who they are, what exactly they want. They are taking on so much debt. And it, the stress of all of that is compounds and then it's hard to be successful in that. Mm-hmm. And then people crash and burn and then are become afraid to try again. Mm-hmm. And so I think that if somebody doesn't think that they're ready at 18 or 19 years old, that's okay. You know, there's, there's time. There's, I always tell myself when I find myself rushing through my life of where's the fire, like there's no need to run through life. Um, and I know a lot of parents always want, you know, their kids to go to school, to have better opportunities and everything. But I think that, you know, if your child's not ready to do that and to be successful at that, then like, you know, as long as they're making steps and improving themselves and getting themselves set up um, to be successful, I think that that is um, vital to being able to be successful. And some people can go right into, you know, college at 18. Some people at 18 years old really know themselves and really know, okay, this is how I learn. This is how I'm going to, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. Um, and I think that it's a very tricky time to be. 18 was such a wild time for me just Mm -hmm. being able to graduate and like trying to get my like bearings on like this huge big transition and then also like okay like who am I like outside of like you know just this routine of like going to class and coming home and doing homework and um because in college there's a lot you are just it's completely up to you and I think a college Going to college is a lot like getting dropped into the ocean of you either have to hurry up and figure out how to swim or you sink, Um, which is why I think being able to mentor people as well is important. I think when you get into college, you need to find somebody who is going to have your back and be in your corner. And I was Mm -hmm. so fortunate to find a lot of people that really supported me. Mm -hmm. And said, okay, well, here's the best way to study. Or this is how you have to figure out if this is how you learn. And gave me the tools in order to be successful. And every time I meet, you know, a freshman coming in, I'm always like, okay, what's your study technique? How, mu- how much are you studying? How do you learn? And a lot of the time the answer is, I don't know. And that's okay. I'll help you figure it out. But right. you need to know those things in order to be successful. Because it, it's not the classes you're taking aren't going to be like memorizing anything. It's going to be applying things and the Mm -hmm. material gets thrown at you so fast that you have, you better be able to take that material that's being thrown at you, understand it and put it in your head well enough that you're able to apply it. Ask you one question. Um, Actually, how did you know you were ready for college? I mean, you, you didn't go directly. You spent, roughly three to four years. How did you know you were ready? Um, I was working, um, I was living in Pennsylvania at the time, and um, the minimum wage in Pennsylvania is $7.25, which is why I was constantly working so many jobs and working like 16-hour days. But it just got to the point of like, I can't do this anymore. Mm -hmm. And you know, I, I wasn't, you know, financially, like, struggling anymore. Um, and I was like, you know what, like, I, I need to make this jump. It's now or never, because I keep telling myself I want to do it. But I don't think it's never a matter of like, okay, I'm definitely ready. But it's like, okay, I've seen what there is to see. And I've done what I said that I wanted to do. I'm really scared but I'm going to do it scared anyways. And I think that that is the majority of college for me is I'm scared of, you know, taking this class. I'm scared of like going and doing this internship. I'm scared of, you know, failing at something, but as long as you do it scared, because if you're constantly waiting for you to not be nervous or to not be scared of doing something, you'll never get it done. 
because there's always gonna there's always gonna be doubt in your head but I think it's a matter of building a relationship with yourself where you can carry yourself through and I I mean I always tell people the most important relationship you'll ever have in your life is the relationship that you have with yourself Mm-hmm. because I, I mean I've been like stressed about exams and trying to do assignments and I'm like I have no looking down at my computer about to cry like I have no idea what's going on right now but being able to stop take a deep breath of like I can do hard things I've done hard things before this is no different I just have to figure out how to go about this and having that positive relationship with yourself I think a lot of people tend to kind of spiral a little bit um, the second that they fail or the second something gets a little tricky, it's like, okay, well, I, I just, I just can't do this, but you can do it. It's just going to, you might have to just suffer a little bit through it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think like that's, I think everyone in science has suffered. Um, I, I don't think anyone goes into science because, you know, they think that it's going to be the most like pleasant experience ever. I think a lot of us maybe, um, like the suffering a little bit of like getting through the, tough parts um but it's okay to suffer and it's okay to be scared and it's okay to um doubt yourself but you got to pick yourself back up you got to keep going on to the next thing and just as long as people don't get stuck in that i think sometimes people get stuck in that Mm -hmm. and then they identify with that feeling of not feeling good enough or feeling scared and then it paralyzes them versus being like okay it's okay that i feel this way but i'm not going to listen to this you know, voice inside of my head that's saying that I'm not good enough. I'm going to keep going and I'm going to show that, you know, voice in the back of my head that like, I am good. I am smart. I'm hardworking and I know that I can do this. So Gabrielle, I'm going to um, start winding down here, but before I let you go, I'd like to close on this, the discussion of conversation with some memory or vignette that you might have um, be, you know, from your undergraduate years, something that you think might be worth uh, retelling? A memory? Yeah, a memory or some experience or something that you think uh, is memorable, I guess is the right word for it. Um, I would say, <laughs> okay, the, um, the semester I transferred to SUNY Fredonia, I was enrolled in taking genetics. And mm-hmm. I knew that it was going to be a hard class. Mm-hmm. Um, contrary to popular belief, it's not all just Punnett squares. It's actually a lot of um, processes involved. And um, I never really had to study before. I just was able to kind of like look at information, read over it, process it right there. But this was a lot of information being thrown at once. And mm-hmm. I didn't know how to process that much information that fast. So we took our first exam and I did my usual just skimming over my notes before the exam and I got a B plus, which was Mm -hmm. the first B I have ever gotten. I've always just gotten A's. And Mm -hmm. I went into my professor, Dr. Ferguson's office, and I almost cried. And I said to him, I guess I can't be a scientist because I got a B plus, which is, it's funny now looking at, and then he said to me, he was like, well, do you know how to study? And I was like, not really. And then, you know, he gave me tips of doing like active recall, um, looking in the back of the book for practice questions. And I was able to do that. And I, I got A's on all the rest of the um, exams. But I remember like, I felt so scared and I felt so like, what am I doing here? Like, I don't belong here. The imposter syndrome was kicking in, like, full swing. Mm-hmm. And I always just kind of, like, laugh at myself of, like, how worried I was when it was, like, I just needed someone to, like, give me some tips and getting some help from that. And Dr. Ferguson has been an amazing um, ally. He has always been in my corner, like, cheering me on. Even those times I get a little discouraged. I get discouraged, but I don't give up. But sometimes I need that, like, pep talk of, like, okay, like, this is normal. It's okay to, like, feel like you don't know anything at all. Mm-hmm. And um, and now I, I TA genetics, and I, I'm a tutor on campus for um, biology and chemistry. And genetics is the main one that people come to all frantic and worried like I did before. 
Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's nice to be able to, like, look, I freaked out about this, too. But, like, I got through it. You'll get through it. Like, we'll get through it together. Awesome. Awesome. So, it's an amazing conversation, Gabrielle. This is uh, you're just amazing the way you've navigated all these years uh, and college and where you're headed. Congratulations on all the things you've accomplished. I'm sure there's a lot more to come. I wish you all the best. And I will talk soon, hopefully in the future. But for right now, take care. Be safe. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Hi again. Hope you enjoyed our podcast on Gabriel Cruz's undergraduate journey. Gabriel's story is about self-confidence, belief, and determination. Tired of the 16-hour workdays and minimum wages after high school, she took the plunge into her college journey. Along the way, she found her calling, not nursing, but biology, and ultimately molecular genetics. Scholarships also came her way, easing the financial burden on her. She got her start in research at Mercyhurst as part of a work study, and then at Fredonia, the regeneration of hair cells in zebrafish. Thanks to her Fredonia rep, she applied and won the Goldwater Scholarship, which has brought her new opportunities. I hope you find Gabrielle's story motivating and push you to bigger and better things. For your questions or comments on this podcast, please email podcast at almamatters.io. Thank you all so much for listening to our podcast today. Transcripts for this podcast and previous podcasts are on almamatters.io forward slash podcasts. To stay connected with us, subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify, or visit anchor.fm forward slash alma matters to check us out. Till we meet again, take care and be safe. Thank you. College Matters. Alma Matters. matters.